Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the World Martial Arts Radio Network. Up next, you will be listening to the USA Martial Arts Hall of Fame Show Host of the Year Award winner, the one and only Justin Harvey, producer, director, and on-air star of the Justin Harvey Show. Hi, I'm Stephanie Ma from World Martial Arts Media, and today I'm here to tell you about LegacyBelts.com. Legacy Championship Belts and Awards is the world's premier manufacturer of custom and cast championship title belts who supplies belts to the top professional boxing, MMA, and wrestling organizations on the planet. If you are a promoter or collector looking for a high-quality MMA, martial arts, boxing, wrestling belt, or even a belt for a special event, then you need to visit LegacyBelts.com today. Be sure to like us at www.facebook.com slash LegacyBelts. Hi, Stephanie Ma here again with a special report from World Martial Arts Media about LegacyFightGear.com. Legacy Fight Gear is the official supplier to the world's oldest and most respected martial arts organizations. They have been manufacturing high-quality, affordable products for over 30 years. Visit their new online catalog at LegacyFightGear.com today. School owners who want to raise money for their teams can register to get a wholesale account and become a distributor for LegacyFightGear.com. Don't forget to like our official page at www.facebook.com slash LegacyFightGear. Hi. This is Eric Neff. I play Mora, the Monkey Star Fighter in Bloodsport, and you're listening to The Justin Harvey Show. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Justin Harvey here at The Justin Harvey Show. I am very, very proud on this night. Before I bring my guest on tonight, I would like to thank one of our sponsors. Um, I would like to thank Legacy Belts. They are officially one of our sponsors um, in conjunction with uh, World Martial Arts Radio Network. Now, the reason I am so proud, as you all know, Bloodsport has always been my favorite film since the age of three. Well, the man that I want to introduce to you today, I have wanted to speak to for many years. I am proud to bring Mora from Bloodsport to the show. Welcome, Eric Nelser. I am so happy to have you on. Thank you. I'm excited uh, to be on your show, and I appreciate you having me. So how are you feeling tonight, sir? I'm feeling pretty good, you know, having some nice weather in Los Angeles, so it's all good. Yeah, Los Angeles is a good place, I hear. It's one place that I've yet to visit, and I would love to visit. Uh, but uh, tonight, since I am such a fan of blood sport, how about we start there? Um, can you kind of take us through the process on on how you got the part as Mora on blood sport? Uh, yeah, well, so long ago. But um, I I auditioned for the part um, of of Mora in in blood sport uh, while I was living in uh, Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. And whenever I say that, people always ask me, you know, what were you doing in Hong Kong? So it's kind of a long story. But I was studying um, Chinese martial arts, actually, Walam Kung Fu, seven-star paramantis in Boston. Um, I got an opportunity to go to China and study. 
And I did that. Um, I studied in China for like half a year, about six months. And um, on my way to China, I had stopped in New York. I mean, rather in uh, Hong Kong. Loved the place and wanted to spend some time there. So when I finished my studies in China, I went back to Hong Kong and hung out. So, you know, I lived in a hostel with a whole bunch of different folks, which was really interesting. Um, and, you know, of course, you run into people that's doing movies in in, um, in uh, Hong Kong. And so I was asked by a casting agent to do some movies. So I did a couple of, like, local um, Hong Kong flicks. And um, the part of Bloodsport came up, seeing casting director told me about it. And mm-hmm. I went out for the, uh, for the audition. And so they were looking for somebody that did monkey-style kung fu. And I didn't do monkey-style kung fu, although I was familiar with it. And a very good friend of mine in Boston was uh, very good at it, mm-hmm. Javon Holmes. He was uh, really extremely good at uh, monkey-style kung fu. So I saw him practice regularly all the time. Um, so when they kept saying, well, we're looking for somebody that does much, I'm like, well, I do all kinds of other styles. Um, uh-huh. It was like, well, but do you do monkey style? I was like, oh, yeah, I do monkey style. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I, I, I got the part. And so now I have to go out and, and uh, train and, and practice and study monkey style, which is what I did while I was in Hong Kong. And then... Um, that was pretty much a self-study and just like based on what um, I knew of my friend style and what he did uh, with monkey style and also what I saw while I was in uh, China and, you know, of course, Chinese martial art movies, which was like I was a big fan of growing up, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So Moro was a combination of all those things um, that I saw. That that's awesome, and I I wanted to tell you one of my favorite scenes in the film, and I'll let you talk a little bit about it if you can remember. I, I love the very beginning when you when you hop in the tree and uh, you break the coconut in two. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I just was blown away by that scene. I was like, this is so cool. Yeah, I you know I I felt kind of like kind of differently about it but um it was it was uh it was interesting because that that was actually filmed um like in the early mornings mm-hmm. and um i wasn't so i wasn't given a script for the movie so it was just like you show up you get you told you're gonna show up here and you show up and like this is what the scene is this is what's gonna happen you know that's my recollection of it i don't um i didn't get a a script for for the film, but um, yeah, that that breaking of the coconut hurt it because <laughs> because it it was a prop, but it was really cold and the prop got solid. So I guess they like broke it up and then glued it back together somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you know I break it, you know it breaks, right? Yeah. But yeah. um, one I didn't, you know, I was like. I was told it was a prop, so I was ready for it to break when I like, you know, touched it. So yeah. I hit it and it didn't, it didn't, it didn't break. I was like, yo. And then you know I'm hearing you know like, you know, go, you know, do it again. You know, yeah. So I'm sitting there like hitting that thing like a few times before it actually cracked and my hand was sore. 
Oh, wow. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I wasn't prepared for that. I was like, oh, I thought this was just supposed to break. You know, this is a movie. I wasn't trying to, like, <laughs> you know, just yeah. yeah. But it was uh, it was pretty interesting. But when I saw that part, though, I kind of felt kind of, like, uh, weird about it. When I went to see the movie, though, it was, you know, I kind of felt different. I was like, ugh. Um, because I think for me, the development of the, of the character, um, was it then just, you know, um, cause there's a lot of things I think that happens with that character, right? I mean, it's like a, it's a point in the movie where, um, Van Damme's character, you know, like, yeah. um, basically avenges what happens to Mora in the film, you know, um, because of how uh, the sumo wrestler dealt with more. But there's scenes that were cut out of, cut out of that scene. So when I fought that sumo wrestler, or we call him sumo, everybody calls him a sumo wrestler. I forget his name in yeah. the movie, but um, everybody that sees the movie refers to him as a sumo wrestler. Although I don't think he really looked like the sumo wrestler, but... Um, but... Um, so he not only breaks my back in the movie, but he also rips my nose off. So they actually you know, cut that part out. Yeah, so that part is not in the in the movie. Um, wow. So which you know like fuels the way Van Damme fights him and how he why he gives him that blow at the last blow. You yeah. Know? Um, yeah. So those those things were in the movie, but I also feel like um, just like based on like the. Racism in the society, you know, then and now that, you know, the way, you know, it's one thing as a martial artist to be familiar with, like, uh, the monkey style fighting and doing monkey style, right? You know, like, people in martial arts are familiar with that and animal styles and stuff like that. But I think for the larger public where, like, there's this um, narrative of, you know, black folks being um, referred to as monkeys and less than human and stuff like that. So... For me, when I first saw, when I saw the movie, I kind of felt like, uh, maybe they could have done a little bit better to um, with the narrative so that it didn't kind of come off like that. I kind of yeah. felt like it came off like that a little bit for me. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I remember seeing the movie for the first time, and I just sunk in my seat. I was like, oh no, because I was on the um, on the set for at least a month, mm-hmm. like wow. filming. So so there were, I think. Um, ways that it could have been shown, but, you know, it, it is what it is, and it's, um, you know, they didn't make me do it, that part, right? I was like, oh, yeah, yeah I'll, I do monkey style, even though I really didn't, you know, because, <laughs> yeah, I'll be in a movie, why not? Yeah, that was cool, This was, but it was a good experience. I had a good time on the set, um, made some cool friends, and um, had, a, had a really good time, and I had a good time in Hong Kong as well, you know? And the scenery just looked beautiful. I mean, honestly, and 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 the way the fights were set up, even even the ring and and the building, it was just mm-hmm. it was like everything was just beautifully put together. And I think I think one of the reasons that the movie did so well is because of casting. You know, I honestly believe that. Yeah, yeah, I think. Um a lot of the people that were on set that did the um the fighting, mm-hmm. like ninety percent of those folks were actually um, serious martial artists, you know. So it was cool just to be on set with people that we you know, like. This is what they did. A lot of them were in, you know, like were in Hong Kong, 
either um, studying or mm-hmm. competing in like on these underground fights, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So it was an honor to get to meet a lot of people uh, on the set that you know were very serious martial artists there, and some of them have done like some great movies, you know. After after Bloodsport, you know, had some great careers, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think you're right. I think um, Bloodsport did have a lot of talented martial artists, and each martial artist um, choreographed their own scenes. Wow! And so, I, yeah, I do know that you worked with uh, Frank Dukes on on the film too, and uh, you know, and I've known Frank since 2009. I'm actually, you know, his biggest fan of all time. What was uh-huh. it like working with Frank at the time? You know, the film. Oh, Frank was cool. He, you know, he was a, a relaxed, you know, a really relaxed dude. You know, it was nice to meet him. Somebody that had such an interesting story. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. An established martial artist. Um, and then when I came out to L.A., I hung out with him a few times as well, like back in the late 80s um, when I came, when I first came out to L.A. to visit. You know, we hung out a little bit. But he was a good guy, always had some good stories to tell, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually I actually told him about this interview tonight and he's like he's like asking me, he's like, How are you finding these people? He's like, This is great and I said I said, Social media and just lucky I guess. So. Yeah, that's what I said too. I'm like, How do you you know, there's a um there's a, I think you know him too, he's on Facebook, he has a Facebook um group on Bloodsport and he he's like he contacted me. I'm like, how do you how how do people find me in this day and age? Because it's like I'm not using um, my Eric Neff on social media, so it's like very rare for people. To, unless you really really know me, you don't know that yeah. you know yeah. the two people are the same. And so it was really weird for me. I'm like, how do these people find me <laughs> when I'm not even like out there like that? You know, it was really funny. That that's why it was so hard for me to find you because I was I was searching high and low for you just to do this interview and I've been searching for several years. That's funny. Yeah, but I guess the timing is right now because you like you know it just found me. I guess you know. Yeah, that's funny. And the way and the way it happened, I actually what I what happened by accident, I found Nathan first. And then he kind of helped me find you. He says he's on my friends list. Look him up. And right. I, I I looked up your name and I'm like, he's not here, you know. So, <laughs> so luckily the owner of the Bloodsport Group knew that what name to look under, and and then I tried to contact you. So oh wow, uh, yeah, Nathan Nathan's a good guy. You know this. Like this is how funny this world is, right? Because um, Nathan studies uh, and has been studying Seven Star Praying Mantis for a long time, right? Mm-hmm. And that's a style that I started studying in Boston. Wow! Right, and so I meet Nathan in Hong Kong, and he's playing a guy that does uh, capoeira in Bloodsport, mm-hmm. right? So, and I remember having a conversation with him. Bloodsport. He's like, do you know much about it? I'm like, mm, no, I it I've heard of it before. I had never seen it at that point. 
So I really didn't have much to say, only that I've heard about it, but I don't even know what it looks like. Um, yeah. So fast forward, I come back to the States. I moved to L.A., and I see Capoeira for the first time, and I start getting involved with it. I do it, now I teach Capoeira, right? And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I found out about Capoeira. You know, and Nathan was playing the person that does Capoeira and Bloodsport, which is I think is really funny. And he's still doing Seven Stop Praying Mantis, which is what I used to do and no longer do. You know. Yeah, yeah. And that's um, funny. Yeah. Uh, do you have any upcoming uh, movie projects that you would like to talk about that you're allowed to talk about? No, um, I kind of got out of the movie game um, after after Bloodsport. You know, shortly after because. Um, when I came out to Los Angeles, I did uh, intend on in getting into more of the movie side of things, but um, a lot of the roles that were, you know, being offered or that I was being considered for what wasn't really things that I really wanted to do. I didn't want to be a drug dealer. I didn't want to be a gangster, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, um, you just want to portray uh, those characters. Yeah, yeah, right. You know, so those types of characters didn't really resonate with me. And yeah. being part of Hollywood wasn't really that big for me. It's like it, I didn't have to do it. Um, so I just did other things. I did stuff behind the scenes. I, you know, did publicity. I did uh, production. Um, I worked in the music industry for a while. And wow. I just, um, I, I just um, teach Capoeira and, and um, excuse me, and I also um, do urban sustainability things, you know, so I do things that, like, help um, communities fight for equity and, you know, social justice, that kind of a thing. Oh, that that's amazing. That That is truly amazing. Like, with this podcast, I do it to contribute to the um, martial arts world because, you know, I'm not like all the other media that calls people to, to you know, to uh, drag them down. My goal is to get stories like this about you being in blood sport before these stories get lost. Right, right. So. Yeah, you know, when, um, and then I spoke to Nathan as well. He told me, uh, he told me about you and we was like, and he was like, yo, he's a good cat, you know. And he told me your story. I was like, ah, you know, that's somebody I wouldn't mind talking to about, you know. Uh, as you know, I'm hard to find. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> So you have an exclusive right now because I don't think I've ever talked about my experience with blood sport um, to anybody other than, you know, like family and close friends. That was like, yo, what was it like in China? What was it like in blood sport? But, you know, funny enough, it's like blood sport comes up at least a few times a year around me for some reason. You know, it's like, you know, people really like it. And, you know, people that know I'm in it just never let me forget that I'm in it. You know, <laughs> It's like my claim to fame, you know. So yeah, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> what I was going to say. Cool. Yeah, and, and I know that Frank. If you called Frank up this minute, he would also vouch for me too. Because actually, Frank told me one time. He said, "You know more about me than I do." Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. What's Frank to these days? What's he up uh, to these days? He he's been he's been traveling the world and um he's actually uh he's has started his own uh social network for uh martial artists to connect. It's something like Facebook but for martial wow. artists. 
So oh, I'll have to send you a link so you can check it out. Yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. So, but um, I actually like the style of Capoeira because I've I've seen it done, and mm-hmm. I I just think it's I think it's awesome, and I think it's beautiful. So. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a, it's a it's 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 a great history, and you know it was funny because um, just having spent so much time doing Chinese martial arts, and one of the things that I loved about the Chinese systems is the fluidity of it mm-hmm. and a lot of the styles also the playfulness of it. You know, styles like the the monkey style, all the different animal styles, the drunken style, those those things, are, those types of styles really resonate with me because of the decept- deceptiveness of the styles, you yeah. know, and the fluidity of it and then, you know, you know, those were really um, styles that I, that resonated with me. So when I saw Capoeira, Capoeira Angola particularly, there's like generally like two those two styles. You have Capoeira Giangola and then you have Capoeira Regional or Contemporanea. But the Capoeira Angola, when I saw that, I was like, wow, that is everything that I have always looked for in a martial art. Um it had that fluidity, it had that playfulness, and mm-hmm. but what resonated even more with me with with Capoeira was the the cultural affinity. You know, it's like there's some oh, this is an African system that I can you know like relate to on a lot of different levels. You know, it's uh, the spirituality of it. You know, mm-hmm. I can really that resonates with me. Um, the cultural aspects of it. You know, so when I saw that, I was just like I was completely blown away. I was like, yo, I'm in. This is it. So, um, and that's that's the style I've been doing for the past, wow, twenty some odd years now. Wow, um, wow. Are you in any um, um, martial arts hall of fames or anything? Or? No, I'm not. I've yeah. I don't even know how those things work. So, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if uh, people nominate you or you know you just write yeah, and say yo I want to be in it. I, you know. No, but yeah, I, I'm yeah. not. Um, I know quite a few people though that I like, and but I'm not in any any. Yeah, I, I I was just wondering because where you've contributed for years to the martial arts, I I was wondering and and yes, you do get nominated, but that doesn't necessarily you'll get in because uh, last right. year I was inducted into the USN Martial Arts Hall of Fame for the work that I've done with. Oh, with congratulations! Podcast. Thank you, sir. Thank you. That's awesome. So, and I, I do hope that I get the honor and pleasure to actually uh, meet you one day. So. All right, that would be cool. That would be cool. And yeah. I promise I won't make you boast the coconut. I believe you. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was funny. That was interesting. So, um, cause, yeah. you know. You know, Frank told me that you were a really cool guy, and he said that y'all got to hang out again. Um, yeah, that would, that would be cool. I'm going to have to reach out to him next time he's in, this con- in the country. He's a busy man. See, I, that's a guy that, you know, I need to follow after. You know what I mean? It's like he's doing things. He's doing big things. I need to <laughs> I need to, to be with him, yeah, you know, can, doing some can, of that stuff. Can, can I share you uh, two cool stories about me and Frank, actually? Yeah. Quick. Okay. Um. Well, the first the first story is um he actually did a um 
ancient technique on me called Chuakal, uh, uh, which is uh, Mongolia. And mm-hmm. after after the massage, keep in mind I'm in a wheelchair 100% of my time. I was able to sidestep for the first time in my life with literally no effort at all. Wow. So. Wow. That's and incredible. yeah, and, and another incredible thing too. Um, when I stayed at his home and trained um, at his home for a week, he actually had me in the water doing martial arts. I mean, I was literally standing and doing punches and even kicks in the water. Wow. Yeah. That's great. Uh, that's great. So, yeah. You know, that's, he, that's, just, yeah. That, that, that's great. That's one of the reasons, too, you know, Nathan, when Nathan was telling me, I was like, yeah, I'll definitely talk. It was just like, you got a great story, man, and a warrior spirit, and that's what it's really all about, man. You yeah, know, having that warrior spirit. Yeah, sir, because I can remember having different surgeries and being in the hospital for several days. And uh, my mother, um, she she would uh, make sure that I had a VCR hooked up so I could watch my blood sport VHS. I watched it so much, it bounces now. <laughs> well, you're going to have to get a DVD or something now. Actually, I've got uh, I've got several different versions. I've I even got Apple to put it in iTunes as a digital download. Wow! So man, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Because what what's funny about it? I actually called Apple and you know I told them you know I would love to have Bloodsport in the. Uh, Apple Store, and I told them that I watched that film every day, and they got smart with me and says, you can't possibly watch a film every day of your life. And I said, not only do I do that, but I know I know the man that it's about. I said, don't make me call him up. And <laughs> they shut up real quick, and they put it in the store. So. Uh, all right. You have some big achievements under your belt. That's great. Yeah, yeah. So I I try to do what I can, you know. So. Right. That's what it's all about, man. You know, do what you can for as long as you can, whenever you can. Exactly, exactly. Um, I was looking at um, Internet Movie Database, and they've actually got uh, two movies listed for you. Um, yeah. Clash of the Ninjas. Can you talk right. a little bit about that? Clash of the Ninjas, and then I think the other one is Silver, Silver Dragon Ninja. Uh, yes, yes. Yeah. Can you talk about those? Um, the Clash of the Ninja, I don't even know if I remember. So okay. one of the things that they, they would do uh, in Hong Kong a lot, and which is one of the things I was like, Yo, you know, I can't do it. I can't mess with y'all anymore. So one of the things they were doing was, like, they would shoot um, a movie but and cut up the movie and make several other movies with the movie, mm-hmm. you know. So they they would like cut them up and like it would be like they they were remixing movies, <laughs> I guess you could say, uh, back then, um, which was kind of weird to me. I I don't know. So I did a couple. I did a few. I think there's another one, but I don't remember what the name of it is. But there's Cassidy Ninja, and I think also Civil Dragon Ninja. I think mm-hmm. both of those I did with Paolo, who is in Bloodsport. Wow. 
So That's Paulo, great. he play he he does the uh, he does Thai boxing in in uh, Bloodsport. Yes, I actually have yeah. spoken to him one time on Frank's phone, but I've been uh-huh. uh, yet to get a hold of him for an interview. Uh yeah. So he moves around a lot too, I guess. But uh, yeah. yeah, so those two movies, I'm pretty sure those two I did with Paulo, and we were like co-stars on those movies. Um, oh. Awesome. Awesome. And and they were like the first couple of movies that I did when I was approached to start doing movies in Hong Kong. Um, and so that was my introduction to the whole movie thing, filmmaking, being a, uh, an uh, action actor or what have you. Um, yeah, so that was really interesting. It was, it, it was, yeah. <laughs> Interesting is all I can say about it. But Paula was always really cool to hang out with. So, you know, definitely had a lot of fun hanging out with him and, and doing those movies with him. Awesome, awesome. And uh, uh, I see that uh, you were in a documentary or something that's listed here. Was that ever finished? It's called uh, Boulevard Warriors? Boulevard Warriors. Yeah, so um, I think that's it. I think it is finished. Um, I didn't hear back from the guy that did that, but what he was doing is kind of like similar to you. He was going around and documenting uh, folks that had gone to Hong Kong and made movies, uh, not actually just Hong mm-hmm. Kong, but, you know, like uh, particularly like black uh, folks that were in movies and promoting martial arts and were serious martial artists that were doing martial arts and what their contributions were to the martial arts. You know, just like regular folks, you know, I guess, to some extent. Oh, okay, okay. Because I, w- I would love, you know, I would love to see that, you know. Because um, that would be yeah. cool. Yeah, that would yeah. be really cool. So that, yeah, so that was a, uh, uh, an interview, like a, a live interview. He came to, to my home and um, just interviewed me on uh, martial arts and blood sport and, a, you know, a few other things that I had been doing. Mm. Now, um, one of my last questions for you is: um, Were were you um, were you ever approached about Bloodsport Two, and did you ever see that? And what did you think of Bloodsport Two? Because one of my disappointments was that they did not continue with um, the story of uh, Dukes, and uh, you know, it did have a lot of the similarities, but you could tell that even the fight scenes were different, not as good as they could have been, like in the first. Right, I yeah. There. I was never approached for Bloodsport 2. Um, don't, I've not seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think it would have been, you know, there was a lot, I don't know where Bloodsport 2 was shot. Um, it was actually but, shot, I think Thailand is what I was told. Oh, Okay. Um, yeah, because I had one yeah. of the producers on my show uh, last mm-hmm. year. Okay, yeah. So, I, and I was what I was gonna say to that was that like in in Hong Kong, stuff was like really different. Yeah. And so there's no like uh, there's no um, guild, you know, like actors guild, you know, there's no union type thing. At least back then, um, you know, so they just came look. They just went around looking for martial artists, and then you came in. Are you a martial artist? Let's see what you got. Okay, that's it. All right, cool. You're in the movie. And then 
it was up to us, all right, we're going to pay you with this person and that person, and this person and this person, oh, you guys are going to fight. And then there's, this is these other people that go to the next round. And then it was up to us to actually choreograph the fight scene. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, I think that was some of the good stuff in Bloodsport and filming it, that, you know, the background information. It's like, you know, all these martial artists were like, each individual was actually doing their their style and um, choreographing it, you know, for them. So it wasn't just like one choreographer for everybody. Everybody was doing their own thing, I think, which was really nice about it and gave it that unique feel and that um, that authentic feel, too, I think, you know? Was, yeah. I think yeah. that was pretty cool about it. Um, I didn't see the one uh, Bloodsport 2, so I really couldn't. Really well, much on on it. Yeah, you're not missing much, to be honest. I mean, because <laughs> it's it's really what it is. It's the watered down version of what blood sport is. I mean, there's only one true one true right. movie, and that's you know blood sport one. And right. Yeah. Was Van Damme in blood sport two? Uh, no. Um, I think he turned it down. It was uh Daniel. Um, oh shoot. Uh. What is his name? Uh, he was in Mortal Kombat Conquest. Uh, Daniel Bernhardt. Uh, there we go. Daniel Bernhardt. Oh, okay. Yeah. So. But you, you uh, could yeah. tell that the storyline had a lot of similarities to Bloodsport 1. And, mm-hmm. But, you know, because you know, a lot of the times the sequel is not, you know, as as good as the first film anyway. But uh Right. Right. I tell you what I would love to see and I'll let you give me your final thoughts. Um I would love to see a blood sport reunion. Like get some of the cast members back together. That would be cool. That would be cool. Some some you know, Bloodsport has like I think an Academy Award winner they can mm-hmm. they can boast about, you know. Forrest mm-hmm. Whitaker um, won an Academy Award. He was in Bloodsport, you know. Um, yeah. So that's that's big, you know. <laughs> and uh, Van Damme went on to do some 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 big things. Yeah, um, Kickboxer was his next biggest thing after Bloodsport. Yeah. 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 And I've almost interviewed the entire cast of uh, Kickboxer, with the exception of. Uh, Mr. Van Dam, but like I've always said, my door is always, always open, always. Okay, so you've interviewed just about everybody except for Van Dam for Budsport, then, huh? From, no, from uh, from the kickboxer side of things. From, um, uh-huh. Now I will say that uh, I did contact um, some of the cast. I won't mention any names, and they actually blocked me on Facebook, but it's all good. Um, <laughs> of but, of uh, yeah. Bloodsport. Yes, yes, sir. But I've I've talked to a few of you guys, like um, uh, Mandy Chan, um, uh-huh. who was the janitor in Bloodsport, and then right. uh, and I'm actually trying to figure out a way to record an interview with uh, Bernard uh, Mariano, who uh, who was in Bloodsport that gets his tooth knocked out in a fight right. by Van Dam. Yeah, um, and I think that really at, happened. <laughs> Yeah, actually, actually, Frank told me that uh, yeah. told me that it did because uh, yeah, it, it really did happen because like yeah, that was ooh, 
Yeah, there was some really like uh, pretty intense moments. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because uh, I, I tell you what was really special for me back in two thousand nine. Um, me and Frank, when me and Frank first met each other, he sat down and watched Bloodsport with me, and told me what was what, and told me stories. It was it was amazing. Yeah. So. Yeah. There was yeah, there was a lot of testosterone on that set. I I could tell, but it was it was it was great. It was great. You, you know, I would I would even love to see like a blooper reel for you guys cuz I'm sure that there were some mistakes during filming. You know, oh, yeah, that had yeah. to be There had to be some hilarious. Yeah, so that would be nice to see. I would I would mind seeing that myself. Yeah, yeah. Um and as you know, um uh, the 25th anniversary just passed of uh, Bloodsport. Wow. So, That's crazy. I, I know. It's, it's, it's been that long ago. That's crazy. But what what amazes me is I'm sitting here talking to you right now. I, I'm just, <laughs> I'm, I'm actually in shock, you know, because I never thought I'd find you. That's funny. Because so, you've been on my TV for for years, you know. Yeah. So. Well, that's cool. I appreciate that. That's you know, it's flattering. It's, it's um, and it's yeah, it's uh, it's pretty cool to have, you know, been a part of something that has that you know has had an effect on on people and positively, you know, because. You know, I have nephews that, you know, they're always, like, talking about blood sport and, you know, all their friends are like, yo, you know, my uncle was in blood sport. You know, but it, it's really cool that um, it has resonated with some people, you know, and that, like, it's helped people either get into martial arts or, you know, just, you know, help them, you know, fuel their little fire that they have about martial arts and keep it pushing, you know, in training. It's, yeah, it's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's 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 it was it's a it's a nice cult classic. I really, I actually, you know. Well, I I know it's helped me out a lot because when when kids and stuff were outside playing like you know, you know like normal kids do, I was I was sitting I was sitting in my room watching Bloodsport. If I'd have a bad day or something, I'd watch Bloodsport. I used that as my fire for inspiration. And actually, what's funny about it is. People used to laugh at me and stuff and make fun of me because I would watch blood sport on a daily basis. But look where it's gotten me today. Right, right. So I'm getting to live yeah. my dream. Yeah, that's awesome. So, but um, I'll go ahead and wrap up the show, sir. Do you have any final, you know, final thoughts? And uh, any time that you ever want to come back and discuss Capoeira in depth even more. You're welcome to come back on the show. All right, awesome. I really appreciate that. You know, thank you very much for reaching out. Um, you know, thanks for being a fan and you know, like like, you know, enjoying what I did in Blood Sport. I um that's flattering. I really appreciate that. It means a lot. Um and you know, you're an inspiration too. I definitely wanna say that. Um you know, just getting a little bit of your story, I, I have Mad respect for you and your uh, spirit and your fight and your warrior spirit, particularly. You know, just keep pushing, keep doing your thing. You know, do whatever other people are saying, whatever they're doing is, you know, do what you want to do and, you know, like follow your dreams and your goal. And like you said, look where you are today. 
you know. You, yeah, you've been a fan of blood sport, and then you know you're doing what you love. That's really important. I think not enough people do that in this day and age. Is that doing something that they love doing? No, because they really don't want to put in the work, sir. It, it's it's sad. Right. It's like you, you know, people people want the recognition, but they don't want to put in the the hours and, and stuff. I mean, you right. know, I I can remember when I started this little show and. And uh, it was just local people, and I got my story out there even more. And, you know, and just with the clothes on my back and my heart, you know, my show's getting bigger and bigger every day. Right. So. Yeah. But if I'm ever in L.A., I would love to meet you, and I definitely want to keep in contact. Yeah, definitely, man. You know, whenever you're in L.A., just hit me up. You have the info now. Mm-hmm. I, I I I sure will because nine times out of ten, if I'm going to uh, to L.A., uh, Frank will probably be with me because uh, uh, we uh, we sometimes like we we do stuff together like when we train. And what's funny uh-huh. is me and him actually dress alike. And some people call <laughs> me his little mini me. Hilarious. <laughs> But if if you got time, I got one more funny story for you. Sure. Um, sure. Okay. And uh, Frank actually was helping me in the car because you know where I'm physically disabled, I have to be physically lifted up in a car. Well, mm-hmm. my my hand actually bumped him bumped him in the head, and I I I knocked off his uh, I knocked off his hat, and he says. Because, you know, me and him joke around with each other after training and stuff. He says, uh-huh. he says, boy, you knocked off my hat. That's fighting words. And I said, oh, man, there's the real thing fix when you need him. He started dying <laughs> laughing. <laughs> so me and Frank had some good times. So. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, definitely. Um, it would be, yeah, if you're ever in L.A., hit me up. Let me know. I'd like to meet you. You know, I uh, wouldn't mind connecting with Frank again. That would be really cool. Yeah, I, I thought it'd be cool, you know, to, to you know, kind of, you know, have you to reconnect somehow. And um, I will actually give you, I will private message you Frank's number if you would like to have it. Okay, cool. That way you two can reconnect. So, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Cause, yeah, because he said he, She's like, how did you find him? I'm like, social media. So, because so. Frank's just amazed that I've found some of the guys from, you know, the film. Right. You know? So. Yeah, that's awesome. But any anything, if you ever need anything, sir, let me know. And I really am grateful that you've taken the time out of your busy schedule to speak with me. All right. You're very welcome, and I hope, you know, having me on has helped, you know, <laughs> um, your your radio. And, you know, I really appreciate you reaching out and uh, having me on. Thank you. My, uh, my pleasure. I mean, you really helped me out because I had no idea about the uh, scene that was taken out that you were actually killed like that. And I just... I, 
you know, I was like, wow, that's just a great story in itself. Yeah. You know, I might have something for you. I, I'll, I'll uh, send you a picture, if I can find it, of uh, of what it looked like. <laughs> that that would be great. That would be awesome. Because I, I would love to see that. You know, I would actually... What, one of my disappointments that I will say when I got the DVD is mm-hmm. I wish there would have been some deleted scenes and stuff that you put a scene right. that was taken out of the film because I had heard, like, the first version of Bloodsport that was released or that they were trying to release, nobody wanted to release it because they said it was so terrible. Mm. So. Wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is funny. I wonder what kind of what was in it. Yeah. It couldn't have been the fight scenes. I think the fight scenes were like the the strong points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I would have, you know, I would love to love to have seen you come back and get revenge on the sumo, you know. Right. That, that was just terrible how he just breaks your back and like yeah. Yeah, cuz I I actually studied that scene and I'm like come on now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think if my monkey style was better I would have gotten the best of him. <laughs> yeah. So we, you you hit him a good few times though. Like, yeah. Cuz when I first saw it as a kid I was like maybe I was like, maybe he can actually win, and then I saw that you jumped again, and then he ended up catching you and breaking your back, and I'm like, that's terrible. Yeah. That's terrible. <laughs> yeah. Would Would you have, you know, while I'm thinking of this, would you have liked to have been in the movie longer or have a longer scene than what you did get in the film? Um. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess, yeah. Um, just, I think, for the reasons I, I mentioned before, just to give the character a little um, arc, you know, like a better introduction. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. I was I was good with it. I was, um, I was doing so many other different things in Hong Kong at the time, though, that it was just like, yeah, the blood sport was just one of the things that I happened to do while I was out there. Um, I enjoyed staying in Hong Kong so much that I um that I had to figure out ways to make money and stay there. So um yeah. I yeah. I DJ'd at a club. Um you know, and that was big. I DJed at this club called uh not, Hollywood East was like a club that closed at three o'clock in the morning. And wow. everybody went to that club. But after that club was closed, everybody came to the club I was at was was uh Club Malibu or something it was called, and um, that club closed at six o'clock in the morning. Wow! You know, so every you know it was just like partying all night. It was just like crazy. I, I don't yeah. think I got sleep when I was in Hong Kong. Really? <laughs> wow! Yeah, because it was just like it was just like one thing after another. You know, so we'd like the club would finish close at six o'clock from. At six o'clock, we'd go out for dim sum. From dim sum, we'd go out roller skating, mm-hmm. you know, or play pool. And then from there, if it wasn't an early day, go hit the set, go on the set, 
finish doing our thing, you know, that's like that might be like another ten, twelve hour day depending, you know, from that catch a nap or something, go hit the club again. It's just like <laughs> it was just like a uh uh a, a serious just like party and no sleep. It was crazy. Yeah, like, I, Hong Kong was fun. I I could see you as more a DJ and that'd be hilarious. Instead of instead of jump uh jumping in a tree, you jump in the seat and start doing your DJ thing and the turntables. <laughs> It'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I did. I I did out. There. I was hanging out with a lot of the folks out there. I met you know who I met while I was in Hong Kong at the club was Brandon Lee. Really. Wow. Yeah. And Brandon Lee was was out in Hong Kong. He was working on a movie with a with a friend of mine actually. Um and I got to meet him. He came in the club one day and one of the waitresses came up and was like, I know you're into martial arts, but you never guess who's in there. I'm like, Who's in there? It's like you'll never guess I'm like, Okay, so who's in it? It's like <laughs> Brandon Lee, I'm like, Brandon Lee who? He's like Brandon Lee, I'm like, Brandon Lee, Brandon Lee, Brandon Lee, <laughs> Bruce Lee's son. It's like, Yeah, he's right here. I was like I have got to meet him. <laughs> you know, what was, so. Yeah, was he a cool dude or what was what was he like? He was he was he was really cool. He was a really cool dude. And come to find out too, he spent he who is in Boston. He went to school in Boston. And mm-hmm. funny story he shared with me was that um he worked at a he worked at a restaurant in the kitchen at the grill. Mm-hmm. And um one day, one he fell asleep at the grill one time, and then like he um, he showed me a burn on his forearm, kind of like the burn um, Kwai Ching had when he you know Kwai like he was a monkey yeah. you had to grab the big pot yeah yeah so it was so like we would crack yeah. you know so we had a good jokes about that because you know he had kind of like a burn mark because of like kind of like that but that was only because he fell asleep at the grill when <laughs> he was working. In the kitchen, <laughs> he burned his forearm. So <laughs> you could do like a you could do like a no. spoof movie and call it Grill Shaolin, <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really, Grill Shaolin. That's a good one. But yeah, was, I, I was really ha- well, fortunate to have met him. It was really cool. Are Are you still DJing nice to this day, or are you just concentrating yeah, on your yeah. martial arts? Yeah, I still DJ um, every now and again. Um, I still get out there and do it. You know, I do events. Um, one of the one of the events that I just um, did is a street beats event where we turn I turn the intersection into a musical instrument. So the intersection we turn into a musical instrument happens to be one of um, a dangerous intersection in the South Los Angeles area. Uh-huh. And there's a lot of fatalities at that inter- intersection. Cars, you know, speeding through, hitting pedestrians and cyclists. So I did an event to address the safety issue yeah. at that intersection and at the same time make it fun. So mm-hmm. I had people were able to, like, play music at each corner while they were waiting for the light to change. So it's a real, it was a real cool event. So we had that. Um, I had some uh, DJs. Uh, fellow DJ friends of mine come and DJ 
also at the event in different areas. So, you know, I'm, those are the types of things I'm doing right now to address um, social justice and, you know, like um, alternative transportation methods, you know, like making the streets safer for folks, um, mm-hmm. making sure streets are ADA compliant, um, you know, because I think one of the things is that we're, be, L.A. particularly, but I think across the country, um, we're too heavily dependent on cars. Um, cars, you know, cities are very car-centric, and we need to get the streets where everybody can be in the streets, right? Whether you you choose or have to walk, yeah. you should feel safe doing so. And if you're riding your bike, you should feel safe doing so. And if you're in a wheelchair, you should be able to get around and not have to go out of your way just to be across the street. You know, it's like there's a lot of those issues that I still... um prevalent in, you know, in in certain communities that we have to address to make sure everything is equitable, you know, that mm-hmm. everybody has the proper infrastructure, you know, and feel safe. Yeah, yeah. So that's not the kind of work that I'm, like, focusing on now. That, um, that's amazing. I still so, like to DJ yeah. and still do martial arts. So you, I'm sorry, have you ahead. ever? Yeah. Have you ever mixed the two? Like, you know, do you do your own music or do you just... Do you do your mixes, or, I mean, do you do any of that, like, with your DJ and stuff? Do you do your own mixes, or do you um, do you play certain things that people want you to play, or? Uh, yeah. No, I'm uh, I'm pretty much a house music head. Uh-huh. Um, so, like, I do, a, I play primarily house music and dance music, you know. So, sometimes mm-hmm. I do mixes. I don't do them often. Um, just because sometimes I just don't have the time and I really should be practicing more and really doing uh, a lot more mixes. But, um, and I also play instruments, so, you know, drums a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm just like, I'm all over the place, man. I'm <laughs> involved in everything, DJing, doing capoeira, you know. Man, you've got an amazing story. I mean, honestly, you do. Um, what's your uh, speaking of DJing and stuff? What's your computer of choice? Apple or Microsoft? Uh, I use Apple. Me too, my friend. Me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 I've been uh, using I, I, it for a long yeah. time. They're pretty reliable. Yeah, a lot of. Uh, a lot of producers use uh, a lot of producers and DJs and stuff use use Apple. So right. So, <clears throat> but uh, thank you so much for being on the show, sir. Is there anything else that you want to leave us with, or because we can wrap this up anytime, sir? So. Oh, okay, yeah, we can wrap up. Um, just thanks again for and you know having me on your show and I continued success and wish you all the best, man. But thank you, sir, because for me, this has been loads of fun because, you know, not only have we covered blood sport and martial arts, we've covered, you know, music, which music's one of my other biggest passions because, which I will be emailing you uh, something. I actually um, I actually uh, got in a recording studio that a friend of mine had. Now, keep in mind, I'm no... I'm no um, Stan Bush or anything, but I actually uh-huh. um, re-recorded uh, "Fight to Survive" in my own way. 
Oh, wow. And, All right. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So I'll have to send you a copy of that. All right. Yeah, yeah definitely. So, but uh, thank you for being on the show, sir. It's It's been an honor, and uh, I hope that uh, eventually you will come back and, and go more in-depth about Capoeira because uh, that style actually interests me, even though I'm disabled. Like, I hear the music and stuff a lot of the times when I see Capoeira, and mm-hmm. I really get into it. Like, my spirit gets into it. I start dancing and stuff. It's just... Yeah. It's, it's a style that actually speaks to me. So. Oh, sweet. Cool, cool. Yeah, anytime you want to do that, you know, let me know. We'll do it. Yeah, Yes, sir. And, I'd uh, love to talk about capoeira. Yeah, because I would love to learn more about it. And if I'm not mistaken, capoeira was uh, developed because uh, the slaves at the time was not allowed to practice any type of fighting, martial arts, so they had to disguise it with dance. Um, that's generally what uh, the story is, but it's not mm-hmm. really um, not the accurate. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's um, it's a romanticized version of it, although parts okay. of that is true, right? I mean, there's mm-hmm. an element of it where you have to hide what it is that you're doing in the face of the oppressor as you're um, refining what you're doing and, you know, um, using it to fight against the oppression. But capoeira mm-hmm. uh, is actually an art form that has its history, its roots in the central region of Africa. Um, and it's also said that uh, that word capoeira or kipura is, comes out of that um, location, right? Ah. And, um in in Angola, in Central Africa, it capoeira was used as a rite of passage. So young yeah. boys, when they were when they were young, going into manhood, they'd have a rite of passage that they went through. And one of the things that they learned was capoeira as um, a tool for protecting their community. Um, so they had a ritual. And then whoever won that ritual got to marry his bride without paying the family a dowry. That ah. is the tradition that capoeira comes out of. Now, when it goes to Brazil, through the enslaved Africans, um, there's, other, there's one, there's more than one martial art out of Angola, out of Central Africa. In mm-hmm. Africa in general, when people think of martial arts, they don't think of um, Africa as having a martial art. But Africa is probably has has the oldest martial arts, in, you know, on the planet, right? Because the people that brought uh, martial arts to China came from India. Wow! Right, martial arts comes from India with the Bodhi Rama, right? Is the person that brings um um the Shaolin system, what became mm-hmm. the Shaolin system in Asia. Um, he's from India, but he's from a caste system co- called the Dravidians. Uh, the the black people of India who came out of Africa, mm-hmm. you know. Wow. So um, so you have the the migration of martial arts going from Africa into India, into China, and then like to Japan and you know to other parts of the world. Um, but yeah. So and you know it's funny to me how uh, folks don't ever consider mar- um, martial arts having a 
a place in Africa when you look at uh, a lot of African footage, you see, you know, certain things like you see long range weapons, right? Uh, the spear. Uh -huh. or yeah. The stick. That's, yeah. A, that's a long range weapon. That, there's a technique in the technology, a science behind using that weapon. You just don't pick up a long stick and use it. You know, it's like, so there's a system, right? And then they have short-range weapons. There's a lot of knives in Africa, mm -hmm. right, in the shield. You know, so you're looking at a martial system when you look at an African carrying the shield, a sword, and a, and, a, and a spear. But nobody's acknowledging the fact that these are martial artists, you know, or warriors. Like, there's no science to their, to their methods, but there is. Um, wow. You know, so um, so that's the that's the history of Capoeira. It comes out of the Congo and it goes to Brazil. But then what happens when you have uh, when it's in Brazil, you have different Africans that are also there, right? So you not only have Central Africans, you have West Africans, and you have different ethnic groups within a particular region as well. You know, so yeah. you may have people from Central Africa, but you have different tribes and different systems that are coming together. So. Wow. A lot of different types of African martial arts come together in Brazil. And wow. here's why I say that, because when people say um, Capoeira is Brazilian, mm -hmm. well, what do you mean exactly? Because even the language in Brazil isn't Brazilian, right? It's Portuguese. Um, wow. You know, so, and if you look at uh, indigenous martial systems, in Brazil, when you look at the indigenous people, the Indians, right, of Brazil, they have a different style of fighting. Their wrestling is different from what you would find in Capoeira. But when you look at Capoeira and you look at Africans in other parts of the world, like in Trinidad, Haiti, Cuba, you see mm -hmm. similar systems of fighting. Wow. And they're, all, and they're all being fought to music. So if I were to show you a footage, I'll... I'll, I'll uh, email you or like link send you a link of footage and when you look at it you you think you're looking at Capoeira but you're not you're not looking at Capoeira and you're not even looking at Brazil it's a different part it's in West Indies it's in um, Trinidad uh, like in that particular area of the West Indies it's not Brazil at all but it looks like it's Capoeira so if you didn't know any better you'd be like yo that's Capoeira but it's not yeah. it's La ja. you know it's a different system but it's similar. Why is it similar? You know, because this is maybe the same people came up with it. And the region where it's evolved is different. So some things change in it, but it, the the root of it is still there. It's still the same, you know. So. Wow. Yeah. That, that's amazing. You know, I'm, I'm glad that you told me this story because, you know, I wanted to make sure and have the facts on the true story of, you know, Capoeira, mm -hmm. because it's one of the styles that um, that interests me uh, really, really well. And uh, I was going to tell you real quick, speaking of Capoeira, um, uh, Frank Dukes worked on a uh, film a couple of years ago that actually focused on that style. It's called uh, Only the Strong. Oh, right, yeah. Oh, Frank yeah. worked on that? Yeah, uh, actually, yeah, he worked on that, and, and um, there's a part that he's in, but you don't see Frank's face, and uh, he uh, he's listed as the welder, and he tries to get um, 
he tries to attack Mark Dacascus, and um, Frank actually gets a card dropped on him, and he dies. Huh. Well, I didn't know that. But I know the guy that uh, taught Mark for that movie that's in the really? way with him as well. Yeah. Really? Can yeah. You, I know I'm keeping you, but can you talk a little bit about that as well? Because that would be interesting, too. Um, about um, knowing the, the Capoeira guy. Uh, so, yeah. Um, yeah. And Santos, who, um, yeah, who is in the movie, like, as I think he's as the teacher also. He's one of the folks in the movie. Um, mm-hmm. um, so it had a Capoeira class here in L.A. So I studied with him for a while, actually, for a year or so, um, Capoeira. Wow. Before I actually moved on to Capoeira Angola. So yeah, so yeah, he's in LA. Yeah, and he was from Brazil. And um actually he there were two guys that taught Capoeira in LA at that at the back then at the time and um Amen and um another guy named Nielsen who was also my roommate, you know, so um yeah, yeah. So it was like I didn't know Frank was involved in that movie. Yeah, yeah. I think he was a fight choreographer, and then, like like I said, um, you don't see his face, but he's like a welder that's um, in, mm-hmm. in the scene, and he gets a car dropped on him, and he dies. Mm. So, cool, cool. So, I mean, yeah. you know, not, not, not a lot of people would realize that unless they're looking at the credits at the end of the, you know, end of right. the film. So, right. And, and that, uh, that film was when I first saw Capoeira, and I was like, uh-huh. you know, this is really interesting. You know, the music yeah. and, and the style, it's, it's it's really cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it has a, a great history lineage. I love the fact that, like, music is really tied to it. I know, like, when I was in Boston, when I was doing Chinese martial arts, um, every Friday... Mm-hmm. We would, you know, we would blast the music in the dojo because, like, Friday was like, like, kind of like a free day. You just come in and work on your stuff, and mm-hmm. you know, and only the people that were really crazy and didn't have a social life would be at the <laughs> at the at the martial arts studio and not on out on a date or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. So uh, our club was actually going to the to the martial arts studio and training. And because it was like a, a free day, and you know the uh, our seafood didn't, didn't mind that, but like on any other day, you know, you didn't, we couldn't play the music, you know, like the stereo, you know, class was like pretty serious. But Friday, we just we could do that. So we'd go there on Friday, we'd be blasting our music, and we'd train martial arts. So music was really always um, a natural aspect of um, the martial arts to me. So when I wow. saw Capoeira. And it was, you know, it's like an integral part of it. You don't really have Capoeira without the music, you know, particularly mm-hmm. just the um, the um, ritual aspect of it, you know. Um, so it's always played to music, and which is great because it teaches, you know, like you get a lot of information with that, like timing, rhythm, you know, the whole nine. Yeah, it's I mean. Big, you know, fight, fighting is a dance, you know. Yeah. It really yeah. is. Because I remember, you know, like when we used to like want to go fight, you know, you're really getting into it. You're about to go, you know, you want to dance with me? And you want, you, know, you want to dance? That's what you want to do. <laughs> you know? So, right. um, yeah. yeah. So, 
Capoeira, you know, has all all those elements in, which is like awesome. It's wonderful. So I really get, you know, I like the fact that you get to play music, you get to sing songs, and you get to dance, you know, and fight at the same time, but really don't look like you're fighting. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, it's a win-win situation, you know. Yeah. And it's yeah. it's it's uh it's good for the spirit, actually. It is. Yep. It, it really yeah, is. It is. Unless you're like listening to something like really, really angry and then that's not good for your spirit, but like something good for the spirit, you know, because music can affect, can affect your mood and a lot of people yep. don't realize that. Right. So. Yeah. I know, I know for me, if I, if I go a long time without having music around me, at some point I start to feel like, you know, I must be depressed. You know, yeah. and then I make an I make an effort to actually play music for me to get out of that funk and out of that depression. Because like, you know, I like waking up in the morning just like blasting some good music, get me dancing. You know, it's like oh, you know, if your body feels happy, or you know, all your cells feel happy when you're like you're feeding it like some good vibrations. You know? Yeah, exa- exactly. You know, because that's that's why I love doing my podcast because. Basically, my podcast is my life. I don't really have a huge social life outside of my home, but at the same mm-hmm. time, I'm actually friends with a lot of people around the world. I mean, mm. it, it, it's amazing. Like, I'll give you a good example. Not many people can say they're friends with Frank Dukes or Michelle Kesey or David Worth or, you know, these these right. stars that I grew up watching as a kid. Nobody can right. say that. That's right. To me, that's that's a huge accomplishment for me. Yep. So definitely. Because I I tell you, um, when when I first talked to Michelle Kesey and he told me he says he said you're one of my heroes. I about fell out of my seat. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> That man has done so much for the martial arts industry and the movie business. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm all yeah, good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, you're you're inspirational. That's definitely, you know, that's awesome. Thank you, sir. I, mm-hmm. I really appreciate that. But, you know, you've inspired me for many, many years. Huh? And I'm not just saying that either. It, it's the truth. Mm-hmm. Thank it really you. is true. Thank you. That's a blessing. Mm-hmm. And it's a blessing to be talking to you today and and being able to do this. It, it really is. It, it, it's, it's unreal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed yourself. And I'm glad I was able to do it and um, that you were able to benefit, you know, from my conversation. I had a good time talking with you. Had me thinking about uh, some memories that I hadn't thought about in a long time. So it was cool. It was real good. It's it's been a blast for me. And uh, I'm sure we'll be emailing back and forth and Facebooking and and all that. And I was going to ask you, are you on Twitter as well, or are you just do you just do the Facebook thing? Um, I'm on Twitter mm-hmm. as the C A C L A, and mm-hmm. actually 
in Street Beats LA. Okay, if if I email you my Twitter account, would you would you mind uh, following my account and I will follow oh, yeah. your account as well? No problem. Yeah. So, so that way we can support each other. That's how it works. Right. You know. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. So, and uh, this inter yeah this interview will be on iTunes and YouTube and it'll be all over the internet. So. All right. <laughs> cool. Cool. I get another fifteen minutes of fame. <laughs> well, it's, it's it was long overdue, sir. In my opinion, <laughs> it, it just it took a long time to find you. Yeah. So, and uh, I I just wanted to ask you, and you don't have to answer this, but like, was the name change a spiritual thing? Was uh, the what? The your name change was oh, it a spiritual yeah. thing? Yeah. Um, so I've been studying, um, um, African spiritual systems and martial arts for, um, for quite some time. And, um, through one of those systems I got, um, I went through a process and part of that process was given a name. And, um, I just started using that name just because I felt it, um, it really spoke to, where I want to go, where mm-hmm. and who I was at the time, and where I'd like to be. So it was a reminder of, like, what I'm um, responsible for. Mm-hmm. So and I, and I like to use that name. So I use so I, both names I use interchangeably. But uh, depending on when people meet me at, at what point, if they knew me before um, the uh, the the name change, then yeah. You know, they call me Eric, but if they know me after that, most likely they call me Omar Day or Ade. But either is fine. But when I go home to my family, you know, they still call me Eric. Yeah. Um, but the name change was due to that. Yeah, it was through a spiritual um, process that I went through. And the name means uh, Omar Ade is child of the crown. And so the full name means the child, the child of the crown of truth. Oh, you know? I see. So, yeah. yeah, so I like to use that name to keep me grounded and to keep me, you know, hold me accountable for what I'm actually supposed to be doing. Oh, okay. Cause, uphold truth. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> yeah, the hardest thing for me was, because I'm very, I'm very professional at times, and I'm like, uh-huh. you know, because when I first found you, I'm like, what am I supposed to call him? I don't want to offend him. or. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I don't get uh, offended by that. It's just. Yeah. It mm-hmm. is what it is. If you don't know, then you don't know. It's no, it's no big deal. Yeah, because that that was one of the problems I was facing. Because I'm like, oh my gosh, what what if he thinks I'm one of these guys that's just plain downright, you know, evil or something, and uh-huh. you know. <laughs> <laughs> so you had me worried just no. there a little bit. You know? Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I got to keep you on your toes, man. I got to keep you on your toes. Well, you you definitely <laughs> did. Trust me. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. But uh, thank you for your time, sir, and uh, I'll be in touch in the near future. All right. Sounds good. Take care of yourself. You have been listening to The Justin Harvey Show here on the World Martial Arts Radio Network. Be sure to tune in again next week for his latest show. Thank you for listening.
Hi, I'm Stephanie Ma from World Martial Arts Media, and today I'm here to tell you about LegacyBelts.com. Legacy Championship Belts and Awards is the world's premier manufacturer of custom and cast championship title belts who supplies belts to the top professional boxing, MMA, and wrestling organizations on the planet. If you are a promoter or collector looking for a high-quality MMA, martial arts, boxing, wrestling belt, or even a belt for a special event, then you need to visit LegacyBelts.com today. Be sure to like us at www.facebook.com slash LegacyBelts. Hi, Stephanie Ma here again with a special report from World Martial Arts Media about LegacyFightGear.com. Legacy Fight Gear is the official supplier to the world's oldest and most respected martial arts organizations. They have been manufacturing high-quality affordable products for over 30 years. Visit their new online catalog at LegacyFightGear.com today. School owners who want to raise money for their teams can register to get a wholesale account and become a distributor for LegacyFightGear.com. Don't forget to like our official page at www.facebook.com slash LegacyFightGear.